Hi, I'm Tyler Saltzi, pastor of Grace Bible Fellowship in Peru, Illinois. Our mission at Grace Bible Fellowship is to magnify the glory of the triune God in Christ Jesus by proclaiming God's word to advance the gospel in our lives and the world. We base who we are and what we do on the good news of Jesus. If you would like to find more information about Grace Bible Fellowship, you can visit our website at www.gbfperu.org. I'm so thankful you've come here to listen to God's Word proclaimed as we seek to understand it and be transformed by it. I hope you find this time meaningful, challenging, convicting, joyful, and even life-changing as we worship through the preaching of God's Word. I would invite you to turn with me in the copies of your scriptures to Exodus 20. In a moment, I will read the first 17 verses. As we've been making our way through the 10 words, or as they are more often called, the 10 commandments. This morning, we come to the ninth word. We've almost made it. Remember, God's word, which tells us, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it imparts understanding to the simple. How good that we can go to God's word, and he will unfold his light to us. Teach us how we are to live, the way that we are to go, and exactly what we need when we need it, the moment when we need it. He gives us his word. That God's word will have its perfect work in us today. I hope that's your prayer. Would you stand with me out of reverence and respect for God's word as we read Exodus chapter 20, the first 17 verses. And when I get to the last verse there of Exodus 17, I will say, This is the word of the Lord, and together we will say, thanks be to God. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. 
You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God and most merciful Father, we humbly submit ourselves and fall down before your majesty, asking you from the bottom of our hearts that this seed of your word now sown among us may take such deep root that neither the burning heat of persecution cause it to wither nor the thorny cares of this life choke it but that as seeds sown in good ground, it may bring forth 30, 60, or 100-fold. As your heavenly wisdom has appointed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In the Hebrew Bible, they have a different order than we do. And as we come to the ninth word of the Ten Commandments, the Hebrew Bible, the ninth book is the book of Kings. And some people have made the observation that as you work through each of those first ten books in the Hebrew Bible, you can see there the Ten Commandments displayed. So what do you expect then when you come to the ninth book in the Hebrew Bible? You would expect to see the ninth word, the ninth commandment. The sin of bearing false witness. And so there once was a man named Naboth, who had a beautiful vineyard in the fertile valley of what's known as the Jezreel Valley. His vineyard was located right beside the palace of the king of Samaria, the wicked king Ahab. King Ahab saw Naboth's vineyard. He saw that it was fruitful, and he desired Naboth's vineyard to make it his own vegetable garden. And so he requested he went to Naboth, and he said, Naboth, let me buy your vineyard from you. But Naboth refused, saying, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. You see, Naboth understood, ultimately, that it was God's land, and that God had divided out the land to individual tribes and individual families for their own inheritance. And so by Israelite law, Naboth could not sell his land. He could not sell his vineyard even to the king. Wicked King Ahab had disregarded God's law. And after Naboth's refusal, Ahab became vexed and sullen and sad, so upset that he could not eat, all that he could do was just lay in his bed all day long. Ahab's wife, Queen Jezebel, saw that her husband was upset, and upon discovering what had happened, upon discovering that Naboth had refused him, she decides to take matters into her own hands. So she writes a letter in the king's name to the leaders who lived in Naboth's city, instructing to have a, a fast to gather all the people together. And as they gather all the people together, they're to put Naboth at the head of all the people. And then they are to have two worthless men sit on either side of Naboth. 
These worthless men are literally called sons of Belial. In our vocabulary, we might say they were sons of the devil, children of the serpent. And with this blight upon their character, because they were sons of the devil, they were to bring a charge against Naboth, a false charge. They were to say that Naboth had cursed God and the king. And so that's just what they did. During that fast, they rose up, accused Naboth of blasphemy, and the people took Naboth outside the city and stoned him to death. When news reached Jezebel and Ahab that Naboth was dead, Ahab went and took possession of his vineyard. God, however, was not pleased with this. So he sends the prophet Elijah to Ahab and Jezebel saying that they would die. And in fact, Ahab would die and his blood would be spilt and the dogs would come and they would lick up his blood in the place where Naboth died. And Jezebel would have the dogs eat her flesh in the city where Naboth died. At the center, these two worthless men, these two sons of Belial, bore false witness against their neighbor. An innocent man, in order to have him put to death, Maybe another event in God's word would help drive home this point, the seriousness of the sin of bearing false witness. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 5, we read about a husband and wife named Ananias and Sapphira. They had a piece of land, a piece of property that they sold. And they came, and they came before the apostle Peter, and they said, this is the money that we received for selling our piece of land. The problem was, they said it was the whole sum, but they had held some back for themselves. It wasn't the whole sum. And so Peter said to Ananias, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Three hours later, his wife comes in. Peter asks his wife, did you sell this piece of land for this amount of money? She says, yes, for this amount of money. She perpetuates the lie that has been going. Peter says to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? She come back from burying her husband, take her body out as well and bury her next to her husband. Notice in both events, that center around bearing false witness, there is the activity of Satan or Belial. And there is a result of death. 
whether it's the death of the one who bore false witness against or the one who bore the false witness. Exodus 20, as we come to it this morning, the idea of bearing false witness against your neighbor is condemned in the context of determining judgment. And so what God is doing here is He's bringing us into the courtroom. This is where a witness would take the stand. And there they would make a solemn oath, something that maybe we've heard before. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. How the witness testifies can determine the outcome of the case. Will the person that they are witnessing for or against, will that person be found innocent or guilty? What the witness says can be the determining factor. They are supposed to tell the truth. And while in this specific context we recognize from this word that in the courtroom context, yes, it is important to tell the truth, but also in the larger context, it's important to tell the truth, period. Not to lie. Not to deceive. Not to be false. That's also wrong and sinful against God. J.I. Packer says this, Lying insults your neighbor, whom you may manage to fool. But it also insults God, whom you can never fool. What true words and words that we see correspond exactly to the Word of God. The Israelites were to live in covenant relationship with God, a close relationship with God, a relationship where they knew and experienced God's steadfast love, His mercy, and His grace, a relationship where they knew the security of being His treasured possession, a relationship of privilege, prominence where they were called kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What a relationship with God. How amazing and exciting and comforting it is to be in a relationship with God like that. But at the same time, it was a relationship with the holy God. One that was meant to instill the fear of the Lord. In this kind of relationship, you shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie about your neighbor. Because God sees and God knows the truth. God will act and judge those who bear false witness against their neighbor. Just like he did to Ahab and Jezebel. Just like he did to Ananias and Sapphira. You might be able to lie to man and get away with it. But you can never lie to God and get away with it. As God's people... We cannot bear false witness to perish the thought because when we do, we lie about who God is and about who we are. So who is God? Who are we? This brings us to our outline. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you can do that. We begin with the first two points telling us who God is and then the final point about who we are. Do not bear false witness because our God is the God of light and truth. Do not bear false witness because our God 
is the God of light and truth. It's a common aspiration for children. And how appropriate as we think of Mother's Day. Children who want to be like their parents. Little boys who want to be and who sends out his truth and his light. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 43, verse 3. He prays this, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Our God is the God of light and truth, and the light and truth that he sends out, the light and truth that he has sent out is ultimately seen in the one who is the light and the truth. Ultimately, we see it, light and truth incarnate in Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, and what? The truth and the life. We see it in Jesus, who says, I am the light of the world. The God of truth and light is finally and fully revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. So now we are called by Christ to speak truthfully to one another. Paul says, speak the truth in love so that you grow up in every way into him who is the head, into who? Into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, builds itself up in love. And if Jesus Christ is the embodiment of light and truth, where does Jesus lead us? Remember Psalm 43? Let your light and your truth lead me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but by me. Bearing false witness does not bring us to God. It moves us away from God. Only the God of light and truth sends out his light and truth in order to bring us to himself, to bring us into his very presence, and to bring us into his dwelling place where we will dwell with him and look forward to dwell with him forever and ever and ever in his perfect light and in his perfect truth. The only way to know God's presence is to be this true witness of God. Number two, do not, fear false, do not bear false witness because our God is the God of righteousness and justice. Our God is the God of righteousness and justice. Come back again to this courtroom scene. What happens when you're taking the stand and you bear false witness against your neighbor? What happens when you lie on the witness stand? You're not upholding justice, you're subverting justice, you're perverting justice. Justice cannot be had because 
you lied about someone else. And it could be that their very life depended upon it. Bearing false witness could mean that person's death, just like it meant Naboth's death. That's why Proverbs says this in Proverbs 19.9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. God takes this seriously because he is righteous and he is just. When you bear false witness, you are lying about him and you are destroying someone else who has been made in his image. The Israelites could not live in the covenant community together and act this way because in bearing false witness against one another, they would not be loving their neighbor and so at the same time they would also be breaking the first and great commandment of not loving God with their whole hearts. Do you love the attributes of God? The attributes of God tells us who God is. Do we love God's righteousness? Do we love God's justice? Sure, we love his love. We love his mercy. We love his grace, his wisdom, and might. But Think for a moment. Do we really love his righteousness and his justice? Not too many worship songs about God's justice, are there? Why should we love them? We should love righteousness and justice because these are the very foundation of God's throne. Listen to these verses from Psalms. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Psalm 89, 14. And then this one from Psalm 97 too. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. What is the throne? The throne is the place from which the king rules. And so God is ruling sovereignly over everything. He always has and he always will. And the foundation, the support, that which upholds his sovereign rule, that which you can always depend upon because it is sure and true, is that God rules sovereignly in righteousness and God rules sovereignly in justice. No one can question him. No one can say of him, you know what, God, you're unfair. No one can say of God, God, you're a liar. No one can say of God, God, you bore false witness against me. God's justice and God's judgment is always pure and right and true. And that's why Paul exclaims, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. We cannot bear false witness because we know who God is. We know him to be righteous and just. We desire to uphold his righteousness and justice to the watching world. And we have experienced his righteousness and justice 
firsthand because he has not borne false witness against us. God tells the truth about who we are. And what does he say about us? What is the first thing that we need to hear? It's what it says in Romans 1.25. There are those who exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's the reality. He goes on to say in Romans 3, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. That's the truth about who we were. He has told us that we need his righteousness. We need his salvation. We need what he alone can provide. We can't give it to ourselves. And that's why Paul goes on to say in Romans 3, 23 through 26, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, that is made right, declared righteous, are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So we think about this. What is Paul saying there? He's saying God did not sweep our sin under the rug. God did not ignore our sin. God does not pretend like our sin isn't really there. He's told us the truth about who we are, that we are sinners. And as we talked about this morning in Sunday school, we are unable to save ourselves. But God came and dealt with our sins. The cross where Jesus died is God bearing witness to the truth of who we are. We are those who deserved that death. We are those who deserved that judgment. We are those who deserved that wrath to fall on us. And guess what? That was right. That's justice. That's what we deserved. But also at the cross, how God was bearing witness to the truth of his own son. This is the perfect lamb who can take upon himself our sin, who can pay the penalty in our place. There is no other lamb. There is no other sacrifice. There is no other one who can take God's judgment and God's wrath upon himself and extinguish God's wrath through his own death. All of this is a gift of grace to us. And how, as Christians, we amazingly know God's righteousness and justice in our own salvation and in the fact that now we are given Christ's righteousness. It's credited to our account. Our account was bankrupt. It was empty. It had nothing. All it had was unrighteousness. But when we are saved by God, 
He fills it up with Christ's righteousness so now that when God looks at us, what does he see? He doesn't see all of our sin. He sees Christ's righteousness and so we are forgiven and accepted by God. And that's not a false witness. That's bearing the truth now about who we are as Christians. Thanks be to God that he now tells the truth about us still in our salvation. When we come to the cross, how can we ever dream of bearing false witness? We can't, and so we shouldn't. Number three, we've been saying who God is in the first two points, but number three, do not bear false witness because we are Christ's witnesses. Bearing witness to him. Do not bear false witness because we are Christ's witnesses. Bearing witness to him. There are going to be those who will bear false witness against us. How can I say that with such certainty? Because there were those who bore false witness against Christ. Mark 14 says this, For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. That was right before Christ was condemned to the cross. They tried to bring all these false witnesses against him, but even their false witnesses couldn't get their acts together and make it jive. Or Matthew 26, verses 59 through 60, Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the innocent one, the spotless lamb, they had the false witnesses come forward, one after another. And what did they find? Nothing. Why? Why didn't they find anything? Because Jesus Christ is the faithful and true witness. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, to start with. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Well, I'll start in verse 4. Revelation 1, 4 and 5. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. And now how does it describe Jesus Christ? The faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. And then flip over perhaps a few verses, a few chapters in your Bibles, Revelation 3, 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write the words of the Amen. Who is the Amen? 
Jesus Christ is the amen. What does it go on to say? The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Jesus Christ is the faithful and the true witness. And now, what does Jesus do? He calls us to be his witnesses. Acts, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Look at what Jesus says. Look at those words. You will be what? You will be your own witness. You will get to say whatever you want. You can go ahead and you can be your own witness for yourself. Is that what Jesus says? No, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You will say what I want you to say. You will say my truth and my word. You will take my gospel to that lost world and you will be my witnesses. You're not your own witness. Your words don't belong to you. They belong to me. And so go out. Go to the town that you're in, Jerusalem. Go to the surrounding town, the surrounding region of Judea. Go to the other regions of Samaria and go to the ends of the earth with my word, not your own word. Because what? Your own words will fail. They will fall flat. They will not get anywhere. No one will be saved if you are your own witnesses. But if you are my witness, God's glory will cover the globe through the salvation of Christ's people. Are we are we his witnesses? Is that our heart's desire? Is our heart's desire that there is a lost and dying world out there and that unless they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, they will perish. And so we say, I don't want to be my own witness. I don't have anything to offer these people. I want to be Christ's witness in this world. Christ loves these people. I want to love these people. I want to give them the truth of God's word. Because it's the gospel of God that is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who what? Everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is our heart burn with a passion to be Christ's witnesses. And let's let nothing distract us from that. And what might happen? What might happen if we are Christ's witnesses? We might die. We might die for our witness to Jesus Christ. 
Many have died for their witness to Jesus Christ. We might die for our witness, but we will ultimately conquer by our faithful witness. Go back again to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. And then go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, I'll start in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Is your focus on bearing witness to Christ? Is our focus as Christ's church focused on bearing witness to him? Not lying about who he is, but telling the world who has exchanged the truth about God for a lie, tell them the truth about Jesus and tell them that truth until our very dying breath. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your holy word. Plant it deep in us. Shape and fashion us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Let us be like our Father, the Father of light and truth. Let us be like our Savior, the Savior of light and truth. Let us have hearts that are filled with thankfulness let us speak the truth to one another in love. Let us speak the truth to this dying world in love. And let us remember each day we're Christ's witnesses. And may that witness 
pour forth from our hearts into the lives of others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand as we sing this song of response. My heart is filled with thankfulness. take a moment to meditate on the word that we've heard this morning. If you don't know it already, today is Mother's Day, so I hope that you thank those mothers who are in your life. And we have a gift for all the ladies here today, mother or no mother, uh, this book called Surprised by Jesus by Dane Ortland. There's a table on the back if you want to grab a copy on the way out. I love it because it works through the life of Christ in the four Gospels and tells us how each of those Gospels surprises us with who Jesus is and what he has done. And so I hope that you are surprised afresh by Jesus as you read this book and that it would draw you closer to him. I can think of nothing better than to be 
focusing on and drawn to Jesus. So I pray that this book would do that. Books often are my disciples. They disciple me in the truth of God's word. And so as this author leads you to the truth of God's word, I pray that it will bless you. Our benediction this morning, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. You are dismissed. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.